I started to get educated about, you know, building wealth, it, it became apparent to me um, that I couldn't save my way to wealth. And although I was very fortunate to be able to look forward to a pension and a defined benefit program, you know, I wanted more today, you know, the here and now versus when, you know, you're 55, 65, 70. Uh, I just didn't subscribe to that model anymore. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. Welcome back, Threefold listeners. I hope you're having a great week this week. We've got another great guest for you today. Tim Lyons is joining us uh, from the New York area. Uh, actually, lives in Connecticut, but he's still a New York City fireman, uh, but he's a real estate investor. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him, and then we'll bring him in. Like I said, Tim Tim's a fireman, but he is the co-founder and managing partner of Cityside Capital, a real estate syndication investment company that focuses on commercial real estate assets that yield strong returns. Lieutenant, New York City Fire Department, where he served for 17 plus years. Before becoming a real estate investor, he also worked as a part-time uh, RN. Uh, that's awesome. My wife's an RN. Tim's initial goal with real estate was to create passive income and in turn, be able to spend more time with his wife and three girls. After partnering on a small multifamily property, he saw firsthand the power of real estate investing as an opportunity to create passive income and build wealth for his family. So he jumped in, started Cityside Capital with the goal of not only growing his own portfolio, but also to help others realize the power that real estate investing can have on creating wealth. We'll jump into all that, but thanks so much for jumping on the show today. Well, Lee, uh, thanks for, for having me. And it's good to see you again, because uh, you were also a guest on our podcast. And uh, Yeah, so that was fun. Yeah, yeah. Glad to turn the tables. Uh, excited to hear more about your story, Tim. I mean, I know it pretty well, but uh, excited to share it with my audience. So Tim, uh, real quick, let's start at the beginning. Take us back. You were a fireman. Um, it sounds like you were maybe... Hey, what else is out there? Maybe I need to add something like this is a good, I mean, obviously, you know, must be pretty good job, you know, still doing it, been doing it for a long time, but something was missing. What was in you? What had you heard? Then maybe what did you learn? And, and, you know, why did you decide to jump into real estate? Yeah. So uh, long story short, I mean, I was a hard worker, right? 70, 80, 90 hours, overtime at the firehouse, working as an ER nurse, you know, uh, life was good. Bills were paid two vacations a year, uh, really nothing to complain about pension to look forward to. Um, but you know, there was something that I needed more of. And I think it was really timely. I wanted more time yeah. with my babies. I wanted more time at home. I wanted more time to create my own life instead of just really, you know, living in a rat race. But it was two yeah. jobs that I loved. So I, you know, it really didn't hit me all that hard until, you know, I had three little girls. I started, you know, it was bad enough with one. Uh, but I really wanted to reclaim my time. And when I started to get educated about, you know, building wealth. It, it became apparent to me um, that I couldn't save my way to wealth. And although I was very fortunate to be able to look forward to a pension and a defined benefit program, you know, I wanted more today, you know, the here and now versus when, you know, you're 55, 65, 70. Uh, I just didn't subscribe to that model anymore. So uh, really two things. I did research, went down an uh, incredible rabbit hole of podcasts, audiobooks, books, um, going to meetups, virtual meetups. And uh, two things stood out to me, real estate and owning your own business. And 
At the time, I had two jobs, so owning my own business didn't really seem that attractive. So real estate was what I really kind of dove into. Growing up, I, sub I subscribed to the accumulation model, right? Uh, yeah. Pay you know, pay off your mortgage. Uh, well, you know, first go to school, get a good job, right? Uh, max out your 401k or 403b. In my case, it's a 457. Um, maybe do a Roth after that or an IRA, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then, you know, once you do that and you clip coupons and you save money and you put it into mutual funds, whatever you can, you know, and in 30 or 40 years, you'll have X amount of dollars. And I think right. I, got, I got blinded by that. You know, yes, I could have a million or maybe even 2 million, who knows? Um, you know, the equity in my home, like, you know, all those things that we kind of get taught or I got taught by my parents to say, this is what you should do. You know, we didn't necessarily do it the right way, but now this is what you should do. And then when you're 65, you peel off 4% and you kind of outlive your money or that's the goal at least. And, ah, you know, maybe when I was young, that made sense. But when I had my little girls and I felt like I was missing their lives, yeah. I liked what I did. I love being a New York City firefighter, but you know, at the end of the day, I also want to be dad. And I want to be with the coaches of their teams and I want to be able to go on their field trips and I want to be able to ride bikes to school with them and, yep. you know, do all the things. Um, and I felt like I didn't have that without giving up some sort of income by trading my right, time okay. Got for it. money. So you're exactly. looking, how can I keep making the same amount of money, um, kind of keep on the same financial path, but not trade so much time for it. So you're looking for something more passive, you know, which you thought if you own a business, you know, and you've got people running that business, then it can spit off cash flow, but that's very time intensive to get going. And, and then there's probably times like, you know, you see a lot of people that kind of run their own businesses and they work a ton of hours. Uh, and then you saw real estate where, you know, if you dig in, you find out like real estate can be pretty passive. It can, it can happen. You can have someone manage it for you, things like that. So you jump into that. Tim, um, how did you get started? Let's just, let's start there. How did you get started in real estate? What did you yeah. do first? So coming from a scarcity mindset, right? Very modest upbringing. I was mm -hmm. scared about deploying any kind of money that I had saved because I was just nervous. Real estate was taught to me as risky and, you know, people like, you know, blue collar guys like me, we didn't do real estate. Um, so I ended up, you know, uh, when I finally became comfortable with the asset class, I convinced a friend of mine to go in with me 50-50 on a three family property. So there was three units, they were each two bed, one bath. And, um, you know, um, that's what we did. We found a good deal yep. after a little bit of searching. Um, it cash flowed from day one. We were nervous. So we got an LLC to buy the property, which means we had to get, you know, commercial financing. So we didn't qualify for the best type of financing, but we were cash flowing each from day one, four or $500 each a month. Nice. Yeah. But I was mowing the lawn taking turns, right? Hey, Craig, yeah. is it your turn or my turn? You know, um, you know, the leaves, the snow, the light bulb changes, the, you know, whatever it might be. I was always- so you got yourself down. another job. Another thing My wife's like, I thought there was like yeah. passive income somewhere, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, this is like a third job. Um, so anyway, so I realized, you know, look, that was a great experience, but I needed something more. And that's when multifamily, you know, came into my life. Got it. And multifamily, why? Because you don't have to mow the grass? You don't have to do all that stuff? Well, because there's property management, right? There's yeah, economies of scale, you know, and um, I'm a math guy, so it makes sense to me, right? Income, expenses, NOI, you know, debt, you know, everything can make sense to me when you can assign values to it. Um, yep. I, just, I just had to learn the process, you know, so yep. that's what I dedicated myself to. So you, you start running some numbers, Tim, and you're saying, okay, there's three unit proof of concept. It's spitting off cash flow every month for me and my and my partner. So there's enough big enough pie for, for more than one guy, uh, but- Probably doesn't make that much sense to, you know, if we, we have someone manage it, it's harder to manage smaller properties, they're going to charge us more. 
So you're going to give up a lot of the cash flow and then it's, you know, it's really low. And so, but still proof of concept. So let's do more of this. Let's go. We're not losing money. It does, it's not as risky as maybe some people made it out to be. So let's get some bigger properties that are easier to manage so we can get property management on it. Uh, they're, they're bigger. So the economies of scale, so they can afford that property management and still spit out cash flow. Um, but to do that, Tim, you're going to need a lot more money, right? So how do you get over that hurdle? So I realized that I had to start raising capital for for deals, right? But um, listen, I think so many people out there, Lee, just like you and I, realize that real estate is an asset class that they quote unquote should be in. Yeah. But they don't know where to start. They don't know who to trust. They don't know where, you know, you know, and then then it gets really hard very fast. You say, you know what, real estate's not for me. Or, you know, my great uncle Johnny lost money on a flip 35 yeah. years ago. So therefore, real estate's not for me. Um, and I saw that as an opportunity to say, well, look, no, it is for you. I've done it a little bit, you know, and and here's what I'm looking to do. So I just started telling people what I was doing. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I did. Here's what I'm looking to do going forward. You know, if I found something like that, would you be interested? And I just started telling people, whether it was friends, family, college roommates, and I started to hear a lot of yeses um, or a lot of maybes, you know, but not a lot of hard no's. Uh, so I knew I was onto something. Um, yeah. So yeah, ended up getting into a 43 unit in Pennsylvania with a, a mentor of mine um, who kind of showed me the ropes of commercial nice. real estate and um, ended up raising a little bit of money. And that became my my passion. Uh, I I really said to myself, man, if I could raise money for real estate um, as a, as like a, a gig, that would be perfect because that's like in my wheelhouse. You know, yeah. being a New York City firefighter, I wasn't leaving for Austin, Texas, or Phoenix, Arizona, or sunny Florida, right? I wasn't about to do that, but I could do that from New York. You know. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So again, probably another proof of concept, Tim, that now. You can raise some of the money and bring investors in on this bigger multifamily property that you can get professional management on it. And it, I'm assuming it cash flows too. And now your investors are seeing that nice cash flow. And so they're seeing, you know, that passive income where they just give you the money. They don't have anything to do with it. Uh, you know, no, no, they're not trading any time, but their money is making money, right? Good experience there with, with uh, creating passive income, not only for you, but for your investors. Yeah, I mean nice. that th those first investors have now done subsequent deals with us because there was there was their proof of concept. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have fifty thousand dollars into that deal, right? And I get two ninety one sixty seven every month, like clockwork. Um, you know, and then there was tax benefits, and you know, so there was there was a growing that I had to do through the through this process. Uh, but as I grew, my investor base grew, word of mouth spread. You know. Um, people started to call me instead of me just emailing my friends and family, people started to call me or email me. Awesome. Uh, and that's really how Cityside Capital was born. That's awesome. Tim, can you fast forward real quick? Where are you guys at today? What do you own, where, all, all that kind of stuff. How, how oh, much, yeah. have, maybe how much have you raised and uh, yeah, all that. So uh, I probably should know how much we raised, but it's uh, probably just under 20 million in the wow. last say two and a half years, uh, three years maybe. And yeah. um We've partnered uh, on about a billion and a half of commercial real estate, mostly multifamily, wow. uh, a lot of Sunbelt, you know, but a little bit in the uh, Midwest um, and along the East Coast and the Carolinas, stuff like that. So um, that's the majority of our pro uh, portfolio. Then we have a partner that does self-storage. Um, they're the 17th largest self-storage provider in the country. And then we have another partner that does industrial triple net lease uh, opportunities. Wow. And Tim, your brother works with you full-time as well? Or, or I mean, and I guess you're not full-time, but is he in the business with you as well? 
He is in the business. Yeah, he lives down in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, so we both, you know, we have a we have a telecommute uh, conference multiple times per day. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's my partner in Cityside Capital. And actually, you know, just to stack on top, we are registered representatives of a broker dealer that uh, does nothing but commercial offerings, commercial real estate offerings. Awesome. Um, and I can dive into that if you if you're listening. Yeah, to definitely. We're interested in that piece of it, Tim, because I, I would love to talk to you more about just capital right capital raising in general. Um, you know, where you were before you got into real estate, Tim. Uh, imagine that's a lot of people that you're talking to. That's where they're at. Where real estate's risky. I know. Yeah, your great uncle Johnny uh, lost some money on a flip. Whatever. Um, and and yeah, man. Come on, I just put my money in my 401k. That's what everybody does at work. Stock market always goes up, right? Um, you know, until last year, until Fed raised, raised, you know, other things, but I, everything else is too risky. I'll just do this. Um, I assume they're kind of where you are, Tim. So let's jump into that a little bit. How have you, you guys have obviously um, gotten past that. You raised almost $20 million. That's incredible, Tim, in, in three years. So congratulations. Just tell us a little bit about the journey that, that you take uh, people through when they haven't heard it. Maybe they have heard about real estate investing, but they think it's uh, risky. And then you give them a the point where they're ready to deploy $50,000 into a, a real estate deal, maybe uh, states away, and they they don't have control over it. Well, you know what? Social media and the internet, I think, has unlocked a lot of opportunities for people over the last, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, I don't know, decade or so, right? Um, in 2012, with the Jobs Act from uh, Obama, the Obama administration, um, there was a, a clear divergence between the haves and the have-nots in maybe some real estate type of private equity deals. So there was something called a 506B offering that you had to have a substantive relationship with the the sponsor of a deal uh, to be able to know about it, right? So a lot of those deals were kind of kept to the uh, the golf clubs, the country clubs, you know, the boat clubs, whatever, you know. And if you didn't know someone doing it, you didn't hear about it. Uh, in 2012, there was a 506C option that was kind of introduced in that Jobs Act, and uh, that that allowed for you know, marketing uh, these types of deals to accredited investors only. Um, but people started to say, you know, whoa, you know, what is this? And I, I've never heard of that. My financial advisor never told me about a, you know, a regulation D 506C offering, you know, in real estate, I can get paid monthly or quarterly income and I can, you know, uh, potentially have tax advantages and, you know, right. all these deals, right? So, um, you know, basically because of that, we exist today um, because people, uh, have money to deploy. They want to, They know that they, they should be in real estate or they desire to be in real estate, but they don't know how to get started. They don't know, you know, they, they don't necessarily want to be an active landlord, right? And then, you know, unfortunately, passive investing or, you know, making money while you sleep, that doesn't really sell too well. That sounds like a scam or you yeah, know, like sure. Bernie Madoff, you know, Ponzi scheme, right? So um, an incredible amount of what I do is, you know, educating investors, like you said, right? So by podcast or videos or speaking on stages, uh, writing articles, um, you know, um, doing talks on webinars. I mean, like I've done so much to get myself out there, but to really teach people that there's a different, there's, a, there's an alternative to the stock market. There's an alternative to Vanguard, to Fidelity, not taking anything away from that. But, you know, when you start to think about it, you know, how many people do you know that have become quote unquote financially free um, by investing in mutual funds? Or, you know, if you have a financial advisor, is he truly financially free? I mean, if he stopped working tomorrow, he or she stopped working tomorrow, do they have passive income coming in from these mutual funds or ETFs or stocks that can truly support them? And I started to think not, right? So that's really mm -hmm. where I, you know, we came in and uh, it's, it's, it's through the education piece that we've really grown the most. Yeah, I would love to dig into that, uh, Tim. What are some things you're educating? Like maybe what are the, the top two or three um, fears that investors have or kind of pushbacks 
uh, initially? And then what are the two or three things that you're educating them on to maybe get them past those fears? Yeah, the first thing is process, right? How does how does it how does what I do work, right? So sorry, so I take them through a life cycle of a deal. I always use like a five year time horizon. You know, how do you you know? So you you invest say fifty thousand in a deal. We use that to buy you know along with a lot of other people to buy this big piece of real estate. We run it. We have uh, cash flow from from operations that you get monthly or quarterly. Um, and then say in five years, right, after we implement the business plan, we upgrade the units, we increase the rents, we, you know, modify some of the uh, expenses. Um, and now we're at the point where we can sell this for a profit. Well, guess what? Here's how it gets unwound, right? We catch up any money that we owe you from what's called a preferred return structure. Then we give you your original capital back. And that blows people's minds. They're like, wait mm -hmm. a minute, you're mm -hmm. going to give me my original capital back? Like yeah. the, the golden goose isn't killed, right? And then correct. And then then we give you the appreciation on top, right? And all during that, you are, you know, uh given tax benefits in the form of a K1 tax uh document at the end of the year. Uh that you know, everybody's different, right? With their tax stuff. This is not a tax podcast, but you know, you can use the, you know, there's something called the passive um the passive income rules in the IRS mm -hmm. guide. Mm -hmm. They allow for different levels of uh of, of tax deductions. So yep. um, you know, so I kind of tell them about that, but it's really process driven, right? What does it look like for you to work with a company like us. And that really alleviates a lot of people's fears. Uh, and they want to know about track record. They want to know about markets. They want to know about, you know, well, how, if it's so good, how come I haven't heard about it before? And, you know, so that's really kind of where I spend a lot of my time talking to people. So you get them past that, uh, Tim, maybe what are some other uh, fears that they have? Like, okay, I think I understand the process, but, you know, what else is there? And then how do you educate them to get them past that? Yeah, I'd say the second thing, Lee, is liquidity, right? <clears throat> they go, well, you know, can I just buy a REIT, you know, uh, through yeah. Fidelity or Vanguard? You know, I'll just, I'll, I'll you know, real estate through that. So then I have to tell them, you know, what the difference between a private placement is and, and the difference between a REIT, you know, how income is treated, how you don't get appreciation, how, you know, yes, it's liquid a REIT that you can buy and sell in the open market. Uh, and what we do is illiquid, right, during the hold period. Um, okay. But it's really kind of, you know, comparing and contrasting both of those different types of investment vehicles and which one is more aligned for what their goals are. If your goal is to have, you know, instant liquidity, then, you know, what we do is probably not for you. Right. Um, you know, so it's really kind of, so I would say the process is a big, uh, hurdle. The liquidity piece is another hurdle. And then it's really, you know, becoming clear on what kind of asset class, you know, means the most to you. Like, what do you align with more? Like for us at Cityside Capital, 90% of our business is multifamily because we just realize that people need food, clothing, and a place to live, right? At the end of the day, yeah. those are like the biggest pieces of everybody's lives. So Tim, yeah. So really you're talking about a lack of liquidity. Uh, but you, you mentioned a couple of things that I want to hit on a little bit more. So you, you mentioned that with a REIT, so um, if, if people don't know what that is, basically somebody like you, Tim, that, that's, that's doing tons and tons of deals and you patch them all together and you're on the stock market. So someone can buy into your company now just right through the stock market. But you said you don't get appreciation. Explain that a little bit. So when you buy a, a, a share of a real estate investment trust, a REIT, right? Um, the way that that's drawn up uh, as an investment vehicle is they need to return the owners, the 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 operator of that REIT needs to return 90% of the cash flow back to investors, right? So there's an instant 90-10 split cash flow. 90% of the cash flow goes to investors. 10% is retained by the operator. Um, but that's when it's paid out, it's paid out in what's called a dividend. So that's dividend income, um, you know, which is 
treated differently than passive in, in, uh, income from real estate. So basically you have, you know, active income from your W2, that's one bucket. Then you have passive income from things like real estate investing, you know, uh, with a direct real estate, uh, like things that I do. And then you can have dividend or port, what's called portfolio income. And they're all taxed a little differently. They're treated by the IRS a little differently, but the passive income is treated the best because you can take what's called depreciation losses against passive income up to a certain amount of money. Um, but you don't get those pass-through uh, deductions from a REIT like you do in a, a deal like what we do, uh, what Lee does. Um, so, you know, yeah. yes, you can sell it on the open market, you can buy and sell. Um, but for example, like, you know, there's a big group, I don't want to say their name on the podcast, right? But a big Wall Street company that owns billions and billions of dollars of real estate and they just walked away from a uh a, a commercial office portfolio in the hundreds of millions of dollars because people were trying to redeem their shares of their REIT at a blistering pace and they mm -hmm. couldn't sell enough assets to satisfy the demand so they gated down their you know ability uh, investors ability to withdraw these funds which yeah. are, they're allowed to do, um, you know, so there's, there's also, I mean, I always talk about, yes, you know, what I do is maybe a little bit more illiquid, right? Um, but there's, there's, I would argue that sometimes that's a good thing, right? In that's times of fear, right. you know, yep. um, you don't have that instant ability just to sell, you know, to become liquid because, uh, listen, at the end of the day, whenever I've spoken to anybody who's wildly successful in real estate and I ask them, if you had to do it all again, what would you do? And without fail, the answer every single time is I wish I would have bought more especially when there was fear out there. Yeah. Yeah. And then they probably say, I wish I wouldn't have sold too, don't they? I like a lot of times you just yeah. hold, man, you hold long-term. That's what you're talking about. And yeah, that, that is the benefit of the illiquidity is that mm. not, yes, you can't sell, but neither can the other guys that are in the deal. You know, the REITs, REITs are down big, right? And, and you know, that, that was, you know, there's some really scary examples of, of some REITs that are like not just down in, in the, the, the stock um, valuation, but like they're, they're really struggling. There, there's some scary stuff going on, but, because anybody else can get out whenever they want. It's just like all the other stocks. Like they can go down tomorrow, like a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and so the property that you own, that doesn't, I mean, not, nobody can get out. So we're all in it together. We, we, and you, I just think you really get paid for that illiquidity. And the other thing, you know, with appreciation, Tim, with a REIT, when they sell a property, they're not sending you a big bonus check, right? I mean, it, it, it's that, it's that dividend that they told you you're going to get. It's nice and steady. But what you're talking about is you go to sell something or even refinance something. And, um, you know, you can suddenly, hey, you've been getting this dividend, but now we get this big bonus on top of it. And then what you were talking about, Tim, like you can really blow people away that this would never happen to Reef. It's like, hey, we're going to keep, uh, you're going to keep getting paid off this, but we're going to send you your money back. That would never happen. But when you refinance with a, an apartment building, that can happen. That, I, I think that's the most amazing thing. You buy an apartment building, hold it for five years, pay down enough debt, there's enough appreciation. You refinance and that cash out refinance allows you to get your investors money back. But they stay in the deal and you actually still own uh, part of that deal and you still collect, you know, if you want to call it a dividend, it could never happen with a REIT. So I, I, I'm with you there, Tim. I think we keep talking about some of the benefits. Yeah. But And I want to stack but, on top of that refinance. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't always happen. But when it does, it's a tax-free it's a tax, -free tax liquidity free. event for the investor. Yep. Because, you know, as an investor, you're not taxed on debt, right? Uh, so um, it's a win-win. And then you still maintain your basis, uh, you know, in, in the deal. So you still, you know, create, uh, you know, keep capturing that cash flow. Uh, and I would, I would argue hold it forever. Right. I mean, if you yeah. have infinite returns, uh, yep. so yeah.
Tim, any, anything else that you would go just just education wise? Any, any of the big points that you usually hit with uh, maybe newer investors uh, to the real estate space? Yeah, so I mean, I really talk about the conveyor belt. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the conveyor belt, right? Like, you know, if you're about thinking that. about, you know, if you're, uh, say, you have a, a liquidity event or you're just a high earner and you're looking to deploy capital, like, what if you can visualize with me for a second and you put fifty thousand dollars into one deal? each year for five years, right? So year one, right, that slides down the conveyor belt. And year two, you put another 50,000 on the conveyor belt. Now both of those deals slide down year three, year four, year five, you know, so now you have five deals on the conveyor belt, each one having $50,000 in value, you're collecting cash flow now on all five of those deals. At the end of the fifth year, say the first one you put on that conveyor belt now falls off, right? It go, it sells. So, now you get your original 50 back. You get hopefully some good appreciation check on top of that. But now you're playing with house money, right? You can put that 50000 original plus the appreciation in year six now. Right. And now you can, you know, just re keep keep on recycling that money. So when you when you tease that out and you can use all different assumptions, right? Um, but if you keep it really simple, like you know, you can really get started with building cash flow over that five years. And then when you have that appreciation, you know, uh, and putting it back into another deal in year six and seven and eight. You know, now you can really be recycling money or what's called the velocity of money. Um, and who knows, maybe you have some refinances in that period and, you know, you could really supercharge, you know, because oh, yeah. um, I would argue, Lee, my, my idea of wealth used to be having a certain amount of money in a certain account. Right. That a number. Wealth. You're hitting a number. Yep. I'm hitting a number, right? Um, and now I'd argue that it's, it's, it's having my income on a monthly basis, uh, sustain my monthly uh obligations right yeah i love it right and and, it just, we haven't even really talked about like if you're with the if you're with lee and lee you know if you have a uh a, a deal that exits in year five but then you have another deal right behind that you know you can do a 1031 as a passive investor right and then you don't pay any uh you know or you suspend your your capital gain uh yeah right you know and now you can really supercharge you know uh putting that money into another deal so i mean look there's so many ways to do real estate there's so many options there's so many asset classes you know this is what i'm passionate about so i start off i really meet people where they are if they're brand new i got to keep it real simple right if yep. they've done some real estate or they've done some education we can really dive into a little bit more of like taxes or you know different types of stuff but um that's the, that's the exciting part um yeah i didn't, I didn't invent all this stuff right uh but it's really not like we're recreating the wheel here right 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 so tim i was like to ask my guests um here here as we wrap up what, what would you say is a key ingredient for being a successful real estate investor let's let's apply that to like someone that comes to you and and they're like all right tim i want to talk about all this stuff but I don't know if I'm, I'm I'm a good fit for this. What's maybe something you would say? Hey, if you if you've got this characteristic, you've got this ingredient, you are going to be a good fit for maybe a, a passive investment in a real estate syndication. You have to be willing to abide by the equation that I use all the time. It's education yeah. times action, right? Yeah. Um, no one's going to do this for you. No one's going to you know you know put the white gloves on. Nothing is is as easy as it's sold as being right. But if you're educated uh, by reading books, listening to podcasts like yours, um, you know just doing your own due diligence and whatever that means to you. And then taking action after that, right? Because if we needed yeah. a PhD every single time we had to make a decision, we would never get out of our own way, right? So, yeah. I mean, for me, my personal thing is once I know 80% of something, I'm ready to go, right? Uh, ready to take that action. Um, so, yeah, it's just living by that equation. That's really good. Tim, I'd like to ask uh, as well, what would you say is a key ingredient for you, uh, for others, 
to uh, maintain your priorities while you're chasing uh, passive income, while you're building this real estate portfolio. Obviously, family is important to you. I don't know if you're a man of faith, but there's things outside of real estate that are more important. Um, so I guess I'd ask, you know, what's a key ingredient to maintaining success in those areas that are more important? And and uh, on top of that, have you reclaimed your time? You talked at the beginning, you wanted to reclaim your time. You've been in real estate for a little bit now. Um, are you on your path? Are you on your way? Reclaiming your time? Have you reclaimed your time? Um, how, how's that going with you as far as having success outside of real estate because of your real estate investment? Yes. I mean, I, um, once I, once I had the proof of concept with that three family, I, re I, I say that I retired from being an ER nurse. So mm. I, um, uh, right before COVID, uh, I said, that's it. I'm going to go all in on real estate. Uh, and I get to work from home now. Right. So I'm home. I can drive the kids yep. to school. I pick them up. I'm off the bus with them. I'm doing snack. I'm doing, you know, uh, you know, the chauffeuring activities after school. And I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to do that. Right. Yep. Um, so the biggest thing is time blocking. Um, I'm very protective of my calendar. I have everything set up in a system, you know, for calls and podcasts and everything that I'm doing, traveling. It's all done through my one calendar that runs nice. everything. And there's times that I've actually just carved out just for family time, uh, oh. weekends, you know, Sundays, um, you know, this way I could really maximize on what's important to me. So it sounds like it's going well. You've reclaimed a lot of your time. I have. I, that's right. not to yeah. say though that I haven't been on a late night call or an asset oh, management sure. call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you're a hard worker, man. I mean, you, you yeah. know, you like to chase. You, you know, you're not you're not going to be able to get it out of you totally. But it sounds like you know you you're you're more in control of it, right? Like you're you're yeah. deciding. I mean, if you're on a late night call, maybe your kids in bed already. I mean, because I, I do a lot of that same thing, uh, a lot of the same things up, you know, early in the morning, things like that. But um, man, that's great. So happy to hear that. And um, and that's why you're doing what you do, educating others that they can have some of that too. And I, I tell people all the time, like. You know, you don't need to quit your job or retire from one of your jobs or do this as much as you and I do, Tim. But if they invest with somebody like you, they might not have to work quite as much or don't take that next promotion that requires even more time. Like just stay put, but put your money to work for you. Let your money make that extra, even, you know, extra 5000 a year, you know, to allow you to take a vacation or two that you wanted to take that you thought you needed to take that promotion to be able to take or send your kids to private school. Right. Just little things like that. It can really be game changing if you put your money to work for you. So this has been great, Tim. Um. Uh, what we've got here for you is the this city side uh, cap. That's city side spelled out cap.com. Is that the best place for people to go to find out that uh, you know see all that education that you guys are putting out there? Yeah, so just okay, go to citysidecap.com. You can schedule a call. You can see podcasts, videos. Um, we have a free download on the on the homepage. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm always available to chat. Even if you're not ready and you just want to see what's uh, going on or you want to chat about all right. things real estate, I'm I'm ready to rock. We'll put that in the show notes. Awesome. Well, Tim, thanks so much, man. This has been really helpful. Um, you know, again, you know, where you were, uh, a lot of people were there. They, they hear about real estate. They kind of know, man, a lot of people make a lot of money in real estate, but it's, it's risky. I can't do it. Um, you're a great example that you can, and now you're educating other people that you can. So really appreciate that. Uh, thanks for coming on today, Tim. Wait, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, have a good one. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 617.